Hello everyone, it is Wednesday the 9th, 10th? The 9th. 9th of October, shit, I just did a paco there. Uh, Wednesday the 9th of October, this is Raps in the Kitchen, um, uh, coming back from a like three week hiatus. Um, unfortunately, uh, Paco Rodriguez is still at work, but don't think will be joining us. Um, so it's uh, me, Tommy Vass, and Neil McCulloch are your Raptors for the week, and it's been a while. It's been quite a while. I mean, a lot of shit happened in terms of like family stuff with you, me being ill. Thomas Cook going bust. Yeah, you know you missing out on a fucking yeah. holiday. That's terrible, man. You got Thomas cooked. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, I that's all I can say about that. It's fucking Thomas Cook. I was gonna say like, um, <clears throat> so you you weren't able to go to Mexico with your family, but did they get some form of refund and? Oh yeah, they went to Spain. They'll get the money back. Um, eventually, they'll get it back because because it was at all protected. That's kind of an insurance against these kind of things. Yeah. Um, but my mum and dad just decided, fuck it, we we're gonna go to Almanacre. Aye, oh, fuck it, why not then? So, uh, I was like, sorry, uh, if I go anywhere else, it'll just be this horrendous reminder that I should have been spending two weeks getting away to go and hang on foot in Mexico. So oh, I, I have spent two weeks in the house. Uh, ill? Yeah, well, to be fair, I did <laughs> I did get norovirus. Yeah. Which, if I had still been going to Mexico, that would have been a grim as fuck 12-hour plane ride on that Saturday. Yeah, just be you sitting, sweating your balls off, trying to enjoy your holiday. Yeah. Uh, um, might have helped it. Maybe. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah they do yeah, say that. Norovirus is fucking grim as fuck. When you told me that, I was like, what is that? And then you were like, it's very common, but it's not to be fucked with. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like it's just a really heavy duty... Diary, right, like say like you are a fucking mega old geezer. It's like mate, you want to watch that shit because that'll that'll fuck up old people because they're old. Yeah, I would probably, <clears throat> probably kill an old person. Aye, but most things would these days. Yeah, you know the winter. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh well, that's that sucks about your holiday, man. But yeah, that was fucking mental. It was one hundred and seventy-eight years history. Yeah, fucking yeah. nuts, man. But yeah, that's like fucking. That was like two weeks ago, man. So. You know, we're trying to keep up with current affairs <laughs> here, you know. Um, so you were saying to me, um, I read the, the latest South Park Epcot has got China at an uproar, so could you tell us what that's about? <laughs> that why you were fishing for what this was about earlier? Yeah. Um, I haven't watched the episode, but from what I've read, uh, the Chinese get so offended by it that they have wiped all trace of South Park from their version of the internet. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it stems back to a coach of an NBA team had made a comment about um, the Hong Kong protests and mm-hmm. support of the Hong Kong protests. So the NBA, which is trying to get into the Chinese market, uh, kind of shat the bed a bit when the Chinese get really annoyed about this. Mm. Um, and they had to... and. I don't kind of quite remember what the NBA did, but they shat the bed. Mm-hmm. So when South Park got banned, they sent out a, a Twitter apology, which essentially ripped into the Chinese oh. and also into the NBA. Was that Matt and Trey or was it Comedy Central? I believe that was a Matt and Trey. Right, okay. I suppose Comedy Central, with the lawyers would have been consulted or will yeah. be getting consulted as we speak. A, a weird thing though, and just a kind of side note on that, mm-hmm. uh, Disney, who own ESPN, uh, Jesus. Have, have apparently um, told the ESPN 
commentators and news people and things like that that when talking about the NBA in China uh, they can only talk about the sport they can't talk about anything else right okay I see oh, fuck, I forgot that Disney owned ESPN man they really fucking they, they do really fucking own everything but yeah oh, well other than being sick how's your week been or sorry your your last two or three weeks because they've been alright I haven't really done very much yeah well, the, for the, the first actual week of my holiday I was kind of still getting over an oro and just I felt grim and laid in my bed all day and so, uh, had zero energy whatsoever and so I sat and watched like a voice like five seasons of South Park. Yeah. Since it got added on and uh, Prime. Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, I've watched like the whole ten episodes of uh, Disenchantment Part Two. Mm. I've watched a whole season of Big Mouth. I've watched. Same. I've yeah. watched more JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Mm. I've uh, heard Paco watching that. Um, he's now onto the season I'm on. Right. I'm about twenty episodes in front of him though, so this will be confusing when we go to the our history of. It, the, the, it tends to be when out because like you know you know being our mid to late 30s you know we all meet up for lunch because that's what you do um, like we tend to start talking about like that and obviously I'm in the dark so I don't watch it but then like I hear you talking about it and some of the shit that goes on that show oh, I'm like man I'm, I'm, I'm not going to watch that show it just it, I don't think it will hold any kind of interest it's, for me personally it's it's just so ridiculous mm. Uh, and it's ridiculous in a way that kind of really speaks to me. No. Um, with the whole this whole thing is so hyper masculine and Japanese, mm-hmm. and that it's so utterly ridiculous to right. kind of compare to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then there's so much really weird, <laughs> bizarre shit happens in it as well. Right. Well, there's a guy, there's a guy, um, he's a big baddie of the second kind of arc, who is a vampire who becomes immortal and a daywalker, but he also has the power to transmorph his body, like uh, a guy's, this mad guy's threatening him, he's, they think they're about to catch him, he puts his hand up, his hand disappears in a kind of plume of smoke, and a squirrel appears. And this squirrel Jeez. just dies at this guy and eats him from the inside out. The it's amazing. Oh my God. Weird, weird shit happens. It sounds weird. It sounds extremely weird. Jeez, old man. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think it'd be for me, if I'm honest with you. Um, well, I, I, I kind of enjoy hearing about it from you, knowing that I'm, I don't really want to watch it. Yeah. It's it's weird because like the first kind of three... The first three seasons of it are very much the kind of shonen style... Here's a guy, he meets another guy, they go on a quest, they meet another guy, mm-hmm. they fight a guy on, but now he's part of the quest. Mm-hmm. Kind of follows that kind of pattern. Mm-hmm. But the season that I'm on now is all set in the one small town. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sort of big kind of Twin Peaks vibes to it. Sweet. For the kind of the weird stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from the very first like shots of the first episode, you know there's something really grim going on there's a serial yeah. killer right. going about and I'm now twi- like you've seen a couple of bits of them here and there but nothing nothing really bad right. I'm now on episode I've now had episodes 20 through 22 which properly introduce him and how he's a weird mad bastard cunt 
And it's it's oh, felt God. like it has built up to that. Okay. It's, it's quite it's really well done. Okay. And really different from what's come before it. Mm. Speaking of uh, Twin Peaks, uh, I've started reading the the diary of Laura Palmer. Um, it's a yeah, it's a diary. <laughs> it's a diary of a twelve year old. Uh, it's quite good at lacing little things that are to come. Right. In terms of her dad's behaviour, in terms of like she's already having bad nightmares about forests and things like that, and I'm like, yeah, this is alright. I mean, I'm not that far into it because, and it's purely because my mate gave it to me because uh, I'd finished uh, the previous book that I was reading, which was Alan Partridge's Nomad, which was just a joy from start to finish. It was so, it was just so Partridge and so and like reading that in a in in like you know in book form, the comedy is still there and the humour still there. Like you can. You can hear every, you can hear it in his voice and just the stupid shit that he talks about. But basically, the book is he's doing. It's basically a pilgrimage. He's like he's going from uh, he's trying to make it to Dun Dungness or Dungness um, nuclear power station because it's the footsteps of his father because he finds an old cardboard box uh, in the attic and he feels like he never really knew his dad and then he decides that he's gonna take a holiday and walk and walk from. Norwich down here to 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 that power station because his dad was supposed to have a job interview, uh, and he never made it. So he sees it as some kind of unfinished business. But along the way, it just goes extremely partridge, and it's really fucking. It was hilarious. I really really enjoyed it. But yeah, after reading some of the diary of Laura Palmer, I was kind of like, I'm gonna, I'm I'm thinking to maybe maybe. It's time to watch Twin Peaks: The Return again, <laughs> um, and oh. and do that, you know, because I as I, yeah, I mean that was a hell of a slog. I thought that the, the ending totally paid off, but it was a hell of a slog week to week, and I'm wondering, yeah, if maybe, I suppose him watching it in maybe like five episode chunks. Yeah, it might. Well, I don't want to say make more sense. It'll flow better than weekly because watching, especially t- Twin Peaks, like if you were to watch just the original series week by week. It's fairly easy to follow. It's bizarre. Yeah, you can drop, you can drop back into yeah. it if you have to. With the return, you can't. Yeah. You need to be fucking paying attention to everything that's going on because it's it's so because you know Lynch is very much he was he was a certain way in nineteen ninety and then post Mulholland Drive he is who he is now yeah. and you're just like man, yeah, it's, very it's much that. yeah, it's very bizarre and it's like shit. It's it's full on Lynch and I'm like man. Because I was like, I was like reading the diary of Laura Palmer, and I was like thinking of Twin Peaks, and I was thinking of other things, and I just went back and kind of read some of the episodes from the Return, and I just, I just remember obviously me and you talked about how the whole Dougie thing was fucking irritating oh. from week to week, but then what it ended up being um, was interesting. It was a really interesting finale, and I, I thought it was excellent. Um, I still m- remember, you know. Certain magazines, I'll name them, Sight and Sound, saying that it was the best film of the year. And I'm like, it's not a film, it's a TV miniseries. And there is an absolute difference. <laughs> um, I, I agree with you on that. Um, <laughs> don't be a... It's, that's such a wanker yeah, thing to but, say. Well, it's but Sight and Sound's a... Yeah. People who read Sight and Sound generally, generally are. Well, yeah. I know what it is. I have I have read Sight and Sound, but it's that way I do not... I don't like go by its every word. I don't worship the the you know yeah. every every. It's it doesn't. I don't see it as like you know. It's my Bible, uh, my movie Bible, uh, which a lot of folk you know when if it does if sight and sound doesn't say it then the buck stops there. But you could say that about any magazine about any kind of media. 
uh, the enemy. And I've not met one person that likes reading it, but I know a lot of folk that do read it. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, see, like, like, did you but see what see the what enemy get... was such a bad piece of junk, was always such bad journalism mm-hmm. that I opted to read Q magazine. Q magazine, Q magazine's not... for your dad. Uh, yeah, but Q magazine. Did you ever read Kerrang magazine when it first hit the shelves? I remember when it first hit the shelves. I would, I would often pick up a, a copy of Kerrang, depending on what the free CD was that month. Well, that is my next question. Did you ever read Games Master magazine, or did you just buy it for the demos? Well, I would, I would have been about ten, so I just bought it for the demos. Yeah. Also. That sound you can probably hear is Tommy filling his face with chocolate. Neil is also holding chocolate. It's because I'm about to do a live tasting for our audience who always love to hear about our snack regime. Well. Uh, because we found the orange flavoured twirls. That's right, man. I found El Dorado. It is not a myth. It exists. Um, I posted it on Facebook, to which I got one of my mates actually offered to give me a fiver if I got one. <laughs> No worth a fiver. I wouldn't even say they're worth the pound that they cost. That was a pound. Fucking Jesus, fuck them! I bought that with a bunch of Euro Millions um, tickets last <laughs> night. I didn't even know. I was like, man, no, 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 I was like, what a tenner. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, Euro Millions. I, I got three of them for two fifty, and then that I'm like, when she rang them through, I kind of looked up at the teller and went, "How's that four pounds? Fucking hell! Fucking hell, man!" <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, if you do want to go to El Dorado, it will cost you. Um, it's all right. It's no problem. Yeah. It could do have been a bit more orangey. Uh, I quite like it. Um, it's for me. I feel like it's just like it's like most chocolate orange stuff. I I, I believe I described it as it's like a Teddy's chocolate orange, but kind of chunkier. Um, and it's pretty sweet. But fuck me, a pound. They are they're they're cheating, man. They know they know that folk are hunting for it. This is this is nationwide news because everybody's looking for them. Um, we're at the petrol station in Pays Road West if anybody wants to know where they are get there while you can if you've got you know if you're flush because a fucking pound of chocolate bar Jesus Christ <laughs> you get big galaxy bars for a pound man fuck's sake um, but yeah right, so that's the so that's the the non-hardcore fans turned off let's get to movies yeah we? let's get to the movies <laughs> man like everybody's everybody's heard us plod on about shite uh, right, so Rambo, Rambo. We we never got to, again. We've been away away for a while. Rambo five. Uh, well, last blood. Mm-hmm. Fucking hopefully. Last yeah, last blood hopefully, and I don't think I'm a. I I was a bit more sympathetic, but I mean, it is a disappointing last hurrah for John Rambo. Disappointing. That's really not not the superlative I would have used for it. Tommy, that's. Well, I mean, it's shite. It's, uh, shite. <laughs> yeah, about twenty minutes, or the reason that you go the twenty about twenty minutes from the end is the reason you go to watch that film because it is full on uh, violent and ridiculous. But there's so much. The rest of it is just so much soppy, total kind of Mexican telenovela standard uh, amateur dramatics that go on in it. Yeah. Um, up until that, it looks cheap. 
the blue, some of the blue screen on it is some of the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, it's the kind of film that if this was not a Rambo film, it would have went straight to video on demand. I'm amazed it never went straight to video. It's because it's a Rambo film. But even being a Rambo film? Uh, there's an audience for it, a, a, a cinematic audience. Right. But, but yeah, like that last 20 minutes is... Full on, is full ridiculous. On yeah. And the way he kills that last guy, I... I admit, like, I was, like, just sitting there, that's pretty fucked up, just sitting there like that, Yeah. All right, okay. So I popped for oh, that. Oh, yeah, we're, uh, no, we're just doing this, man. Oh, yeah. Right. There's a couple of bits I totally popped at, and I was like, that's fucking, that's what I want to see. I want to see sheer ridiculous brutality. But the basic yeah. synopsis is, so Rambo has a niece, you know, all of a sudden, uh, called Gabriella, and she, she stays with her, her granny and Rambo at Rambo's ranch. And um, basically, she goes down to Mexico to find her dad, uh, and then she ends up getting kidnapped by this Mexican gang and is used as a prostitute. Well, not even a prostitute. She's a slave. She's a sex slave worker. Um, and Rambo has to go down and sort it out. That is the plot. And then the third act is Rambo meets Home Alone. Um, but, yeah, it was a shame because... You, you, you kind of we knew like I mean Stallone is 72 years old he still looks buff as shit he's he's buff but see just looking at his face oh he's old he's, right. he's getting difficult to look at he's, on that size of a screen yeah <laughs> oh man I could never say that about Sly um, but I know what you mean um, that I it was, he, he, he looks like a bad hamburger <laughs> a bad hamburger yeah fucking hell um, what a, what a description, um, Sly. If you're listening, I still love you, mate. <laughs> ah, yeah, good name, Alice. I guess he's like, but come on. Man. Um, yeah. So it was. It, it's not worth. It's it's the kind of thing if it's on Netflix, watch it. It's not worth your 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 cinema your cinema price. Um, just stick on Rambo Four. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, I was a bit more sympathetic. But it, it, the dialogue's terrible, like Neil said. Some of the the green screens terrible, um, and it's just like yeah, this this whole they try to carve out this like really meaningful uh, character um, development of Rambo, but it's it's nothing we haven't seen yeah, before. Yeah, because it's weird because like you're seeing Rambo at the start of this film being he's all content, he's happy, um, he's getting pals. And it's so out of the out of character for what you've seen Rambo yeah, before. The loner. That it's really jarring, and to the point where I don't even think Stallone knows how to play it because mm. there's so many times he just comes across. He actually comes across as Rocky. Yeah. A lot at the start of that film, or even just as himself. Mm. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah. Overall, d- disappointed. Disappointed. Um. The best parts are, as I said, as we said, the Home Alone bit at the end. And yeah, well, about 20 the minutes last, of that. The last 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. is just carnage. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have went to that film for. Yeah, but unlike... But still, it's yeah. such a slog. It was a slog. Whereas, Ram- don't get me wrong, like, apart from First Blood, I mean, the Rambo films aren't really known for their plot. But they kind of go along at a pace where you kind of get it. Like, but they're also films of their time. Well, ra- like, yeah, Rambo 4 is what, 11 years old now, something like that? And even then you're like, do we need another Rambo film? But it was just sheer brutality. It was like, 
this is a really lackluster plot, but you're going to see Rambo fucking people up in a way that cinema has kind of been wanting for a while. You know, our kind of return to that kind of 80s violence. Rambo 4, though, was still a better film. I would, yeah, it was, was. It was, but again, in terms of like, you didn't watch the film for the plot as such. You wanted, you, Rambo 4's got a really great start because you see folk being forced to run across a like a, a muddy kind of pond uh, with mines and they're, they're ba- basically these people are being oppressed and you're, all you can think about is Rambo's going to fuck you guys up. In this, it takes a while for you to kind of, it takes well into the late second act where you're like, right, Rambo's going to go fuck them up right now. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was disappointing. But there you go. Can't win them all, I guess, Sly. Um, we also watched um, Ad Astra. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Well, I, you, I think you and Paco watched it together. I watched yeah, it myself. Yeah, we, we went to the IMAX. Yeah. To go and watch it because mm-hmm. it was a film I thought I'd seen the trailer mm-hmm. in the super screen. Mm-hmm. And I felt the scale kind of helped it, so I thought IMAX or a scale will make it. It's the on- my only regret about that film. Well, I mean, I've got thoughts about that film, but my only regret wasn't seeing the IMAX because I, I thought visually it was excellent. Yeah, vis- visually it was excellent, but mm-hmm. see, I haven't got to see it in the IMAX. I think I probably should have went to see that in a normal screen. How was it not as impressive? It didn't feel as impressive All right. um, as it should have done. Well, I really liked it. I really liked that, Asher. Um, I loved it. I thought it was excellent. But I think seeing it on that size of a screen just, for me, weirdly highlighted how insular a story it actually is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it kind of had almost the opposite effect mm. of it made space this deeply lonely, dark place. I mean, it is, though. Which is. Yeah. Which is. Yeah. I mean, that... I, I expected you'll get space. All right. Uh, I mean,. Uh, I made the, the you did, you did, you did. You made a hand gesture. Uh, I mean, okay. So, a quick synopsis: uh, Brad Pitt's a, an astronaut. Um, his dad um, was this well-renowned astronaut who went uh, to do a went into. Sorry, several years prior, had gone uh, into space to do a mission where they were basically going to the far ends of the galaxy to find um, intelligent life, and uh, they never returned. Um, there has been several um, incidents on Earth where there's been f- is it oh, shit? It's is it, it's pulses. Yeah, uh, electromagnetic pulses. Yeah, which are coming from deep space. Yeah, which are causing uh, blackouts, uh, weird weather conditions, uh-huh. potentially the apocalypse. Yeah, and they think that this might ha- this this sp- this space mission that um, Tommy Lee Jones, Brad Pitt's um, dad, in it might have something to do with it. So Brad Pitt is then sent. Well, he is sent to gather. Well, he's, he's sent to gather he, intelligence, he, he, isn't he? He's sent, he sent to Mars to send a message. That's it. Uh, because yeah, because Tommy Lee Jones is his dad. That yeah, might they think that that will get through. Yeah, but there's more to Tommy Lee Jones's story than what Brad Pitt knows about, and then that sets him off on a journey to find him. Um, it's very, it's very much apocalypse now. In space, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I that was when I read that I was like, yep, I'm completely on board with that. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a Hollywood film. 
with a Hollywood budget, but it's made like a, an art house kind of space movie. A bit like Apocalypse Now had a decent budget, but it's very much a kind of art house movie. Um, Ad Astra, because of the journey, it is very much it is Brad Pitt's journey. There's constant, much like Martin Sheen's character in Apocalypse Now. There's a narration where he is thinking about everything that's been happening. He's kind of self-reflecting on his own decisions, uh, his relationship with his father. Yeah, well, that, that's the kind of crux, actual crux of the film. Yeah. Is that the, the whole space mission is just a MacGuffin yeah. for him to go on this journey yeah. uh, where he has to kind of pull him, pull himself, not in, not in the kind of real-life sense of he's in his father's shadow, mm-hmm. but in his, own, in his own mind, how he goes about his own life. It's always been done... Yeah, and his father's shadow, and looking for his father's approval. Yeah, so it's kind of his journey dealing with these concepts. Yeah, and as I said, it's a ho- it's a Hollywood, it's a movie with Hollywood money, and in my opinion, money well spent. Uh, when they go to the moon, um, I thought it looked excellent. It yeah. remind it reminded me of Total Recall, um, because this is this film set in the future. You, um, I don't think you're given a year, but. Um, like there's like there's the moon's like an airport. It's a spaceport. You've got like subway and things like that, yeah. and it's, there's escalators, and it looks very kind of like you were in an airport. Um, but you know it's the moon. Um, there is like uh, like pi- pirates on Do you the know, moon. That, that it's funny that that reminds me. It makes me think of seeing Futurama right. when they take Fry to the moon. Um, I again, my my knowledge of Futurama is not as good as say The Simpsons. So right, right, right go. Right, when Fry is dead excited because he's never been before, mm-hmm. but when they get there, the moon's just this highly developed uh, Earth colony. It's called it's right. a fe- oh, no, it's a theme park. Oh. <laughs> so there's right, okay. all that rampant commercialism. Right, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. When he, when that actually comes off that escalator and you see like. The like subway and things like that. It's kind of made me think of that, especially because when he breaks out, mm-hmm. when Fry breaks out of the uh, the moon park, mm-hmm. um, there's like there's like redneck farmers and things like that are all living right, in the moon right. and, and pirates and stuff like all that. Right, okay, but is what yeah you have here in Ad Astra. Um, yeah, I again I thought. I thought Brad Pitt. I thought it was one of his best performances. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's to be nominated for anything this year, it absolutely should be that, and not Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Not to say that he's not good in that film. I just think that his performance is a lot. <laughs> I th- yeah, I thought his performance in Ad Astra was very. It was very understated, yeah. and uh, it's you know he's even said that he used the the fact that he was going through a divorce with Jolie at the time. He used that to enhance his performance, and you can totally see it. Yeah, there's you can see what he's one of these guys who always looks quite had a very kind of stoic kind of look to him. Yeah, and a lot of his performances always looks behind the eyes, and yeah. this is you can see that kind of level of torment that he has going yeah. on. And yeah, and given the story, and I think that the, the narration totally helps it yeah. as well, because it's like it's it's narrating, but you can see the like the kind of the tragedy and the kind of like self reflection yeah. in his eyes about what, how he feels about his dad. Tommy Lee Jones is only in it for a wee while, but I thought he was great. I really did. That. Um, but yeah, uh, all in all, visually, I thought it looked great. Um, the only thing that I found a bit jarring about it was maybe two, possibly three scenes. And it, and it was the only time it felt like, right, this is your sci-fi movie action beats. 
I didn't mind the bit with the pirates. I thought the pirates bit on the moon was fine. Um, it just felt a bit jarring given where we were at. And I then, think with the pirates on the moon, I think I didn't mind it because they teed it up mm. earlier. So it was all oh, these disputes over areas of the moons and things like that. So it, it wasn't at all of a sudden. I'll give you that. Kind of, all right, they just brought these weirdo pirates out of nowhere. Yeah, and so the was, I think. the fight with the primate, which yeah, that was kind of, that was weird. Yeah. But again, whilst it was weird when it was happening, I think it done a lot for the character going forward from that. Yeah. Because that was like he's slowly descending into a bit of madness here and there. Yeah. Because uh, he's not taking the pills that they're supposed to take to yeah. kind of ward off space madness. Yeah. Um, um, mm-hmm. So I, I felt like the. Because that, like, okay, if it'd been a guy that had attacked him, that would have been weird enough. There's a fucking weird old monkey. Yeah, I mean... In space? Yeah. Why is that thing in space? Yeah, it was like, there, there's a scene where, I mean, it's been out for a week, so we don't mind spoiling bits here. There's a bit where they, they there's a distress call, so the shuttle that Brad Pitt is on, uh, they have to answer the distress call, and they, they do say that it was it's carrying, uh, pri- like, um, animal, yes, animal primates animal, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes in, and it happens to be the the crew are dead, and there and a monkey's gotten out, so he has to wrestle a monkey, and so does his colleague. But yeah, um, it was his colleague gets annihilated. He really does. I think he eats his eye or yeah. something now, and it's like the thing is, it's just given the way the film goes at that point, it just those two scenes seemed a bit. They don't. It doesn't ruin the film at all. It just seems a bit jarring. But then you could argue again, keeping with the apocalypse now. Um, description. There's bits of apocalypse now where you're like, why is that in there? It's yeah. like it's 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 jarring the flow of this journey. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it some like, you could argue with apocalypse now. Sometimes it enhances it, and some other scenes don't. Yeah. In um, Ad Astra, it didn't really take me out of it. Uh, and the only other scene was where um, he propels himself off the ship and he uses uh, <laughs> one of the things as a shield through That's this. Right. Uh, thing. Okay, yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. okay. It's right. We're taking liberties here, yeah. but I, I didn't. Again, I, I was like, we didn't. That that could have been done better, but it's we didn't really need that. But I was like, I don't. I mean, I was sitting there, and that was one of the one of the maybe two or three times. I was like, I don't think that's how it happened. But other than that, all in all, I it was probably one of the best films I've seen this year. It, it really, I yeah. really enjoyed it. It was nice to see Hollywood sinking money into what looks like a very personal. And very um, art house project, mm-hmm. um, and I, I hope it made its money back because it, it thoroughly deserved it. And it'll maybe, it'll maybe you know wake Hollywood up to the fact that it's like yeah, it doesn't need to be dumb and actiony. It's like it could be a very personal journey. It could be you know very apocalypse now, if you will. You know you, you can make these kind of films, these sci fi movies that generally are quite low budget and end up being excellent. Like Ex Machina, that's a a, a great sci fi movie. It was made for fucking beans, so. Yeah, but uh, Ad Astra, I thoroughly enjoyed. I know Paco thought it was just all right. Um, he was like, oh, it was all right. I thought he was really. I thought he would have really enjoyed it. But there you go. It probably wasn't spacey enough for him. There's <laughs> <laughs> probably too personal a story. He likes Apocalypse now, though. Yeah, but it was about Daz. <laughs> hey man, I can share him in that one. Anyway, so we did that. Um, we'll go to. Uh, Ready or not. Oh, okay. Um, 
or do you know what? I'll I'll go with Judy because I've seen it and you haven't. Yeah. Right. So Judy is about it's a stars Renny Zellweger and it's a kind of mini biopic of Judy Garland, but more specifically, the last like six months of her life where she was contracted to do shows uh, in London. Um. So the film kind of follows her. Um, and her two kids, like kind of, she's kind of struggling for work. She's uh, gone through a bit of divorce, and she really, and she's homeless, and she really doesn't know what she's gonna do for money. So then she's offered this job in England. She doesn't know if she can take it because she doesn't want to be away for her kids. She takes it, and then you kind of see uh, her ups and her ups and downs, her uh, tra tragedies, and uh, her, you know, her her glory, if you will. Uh, Renny Zellweger is absolutely a career best. I've always thought Renny Zellweger was kind of overrated, but yeah, never, ever she, I thought she was excellent in this. I was like, I forgot that that was her. Um, I thought she portrayed Garland really well. She got really, really thin for it. Um, um, she does the own, excuse me, she does her own singing. Um, and yeah, I thought I thought she was excellent in it. She's she carries the film. Because I thought it was quite, um, um, for someone who likes biopics, I thought it was quite mediocre. Because Judy Garland has such a rich history in Hollywood and such an interesting and tragic life, I would like to have seen more of that. I know they specifically focus on when she was in England, but they f they flash I back to... think that's the case because it's a BBC co-production? Might be. Um, it also flashes back to her time when she was the Wizard of Oz because part of the whole thing is Garland... Was very insecure about her body. She always did needed reassurance. No, they did not. Uh, they showed they showed um, a teenager playing young Garland, and uh, it shows <laughs> it shows what she went through, um, how the studios bullied her. They starved her so that she would play Dorothy. Um, she was given uh, pills to help her diet and help her help her to not sleep, etc. Uh, which like carried on in later life. So. I found all that really interesting because I'm like, it was almost like we're going back, it was showing you flashes of why she is the way she is now, but I would like to have seen a bit more of that journey um, because, I mean, from what I've read, it, it was, her childhood was very, very fucking dark, especially with the old movie moguls and what they did to her. Um, but, uh, as I said, she does her own singing, the, the songs are really good, um, and as I said, Zellweger is really good in it, it's quite, as I said, tragic, it's also quite heartfelt. Um, and you really kind of well I say sympathise you do sympathise even though she has she has she has her demons and has her problems she was quite a tragic and fragile figure and I thought Zellberger really can uh, she kind of portrayed and conveyed that very well but other than that it was just okay um, yeah but that was that was Judy um, we seen Ready or Not we did see Ready or Not um, uh, Ready or Not is a tawdry little tale about <laughs> a woman who, mar who marries into a rich family and they, the family have a, a deep dark secret mm -hmm. oh it's a deep dark secret yeah the devil um, <laughs> where they play a game anytime someone marries into the family uh, it could be Chess, it chess, could be checkers. They, checkers. Yeah, yeah, they have to select a card, the card from this magic box from way back when when their granda got it. Because the family are famous for making board games and things yeah, like that. So that kind of comes in part with the the whole. It's a it's a family history thing, and so the the bride. It, it's, yeah, it's really obviously from the start that the grand great grandfather has made a deal with the devil. Yes, 
for their success. Yes. And the devil has to get his due. Yes. So they play this game, the card comes out and it's hide and seek, which Poundland Margot Robbie kind of laughs at going, oh, are we really going to play Poundland? Are we really going to play hide and seek? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Uh, well, does she know that uh, our new family are going to hunt her yes. so that they can sacrifice her to the devil? Yeah, but they've got, there's a time limit they have to yeah, do it before to six, six in the morning. Yeah, something like that. No, it's by, it's, by, it's by daybreak. Daybreak, yeah. Uh, or bad things will happen to them. Yeah, it's like their family are doomed. Yeah. Um, right away, this film knows exactly what it is. It, yeah. it, it doesn't pretend to be scary. It's more com- It's more of a comedy horror. I would even say it's more a comedy action film because uh, some some of the gold in it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's very much. Did you ever see Your Next? Uh, yes. It's very much in the same kind of vein of that. Yeah, the home invasion, but they're very. It's very it's, comedic, yeah, very self aware. It's, it's, it's as much a self aware comedy as it is a kind of horror film. Yeah, um, and. I think her name's Samara Weaving. No, it's not Weaving. Uh, Samara something. But pa- Poundland Margot. Weaver, Sa- Weaver. Yeah, Poundland Margot Robbie. Who I like. I thought she was good. She, she was fine, and she didn't really have very much to do other than run about and be like get 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 manky, lose lose yeah. maybe a, a finger or that. Yeah, and that's the thing though. The the film. I think that's why I thoroughly enjoyed it was because. It, it it was everything that it advertised it was going to be, and it delivered. And I th- and I, I it didn't try it didn't try to do a, a last minute kind of twist thing, or it tried to take itself too seriously. Don't get me wrong, it's not perfect. Some of the some of the choices that happen with the characters, like the husband, um, his turn all of a sudden was very kind of out of place. Um, I don't know, I saw that coming a mile away. But it was just I was like, yeah, and then the very last. Uh, the, the 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 cherry on top, if you will, that happens at the very end of the film was great. It was really great. Yeah, the whole, the whole thing pays off well. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I my my only kind of issue with it was for it being a horror film, it didn't lean enough into that for me. I was quite happy with but that. Also, if it was if I was to then consider it as a comedy. It didn't lean quite far enough into that. It was. It, I thought it, it told the line quite well. Maybe not nah, in the horror it, aspect, but I was. I look at it more as a comedy action movie. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just. It felt like it was kind of tugging between each too much for me. Okay. It never quite had a balance. Okay. But no, I enjoyed it. It was fine. Hmm. It was, but you, uh, I, it was it was fine. But yeah. I was I thought it was personally I thought it was very entertaining, and I was like, you know what. There's not a lot of, I mean, the, the uh, there's, sorry, the horror clown movie it that's out now. It's uh, it was way more entertaining than that, and uh, you got what you want oh, from yeah, that. You know what I mean? Far than it. Yeah, it's like there's not a lot of horror movies per se in the film in yeah. the cinema just now, and I wouldn't say for me, Ready or Not's not so much a horror film. It's horror in the terms of it, it's a bit gruesome at bits, but other than that, it's it was a kind of comedy. It was a more a comedy action film yeah, for me. It's the third best film I saw last week. Um. But speaking of horror <laughs> films, you watched uh, Hellfest on Amazon Prime. I, I did watch Hellfest. Right. Uh, that, What's that, about? that wasn't in my top list, though. No. Um, Hellfest is just it's a wee horror film. It's on Netflix. Um, a group of pals, uh, well, they're kind of couples, uh, go to 
a local theme park which is Halloween based. Mm -hmm. So like one of these kind of these kind of fancy haunted house kind of things. Oh, I like yeah, yeah, yeah. Real people doing stuff to you and things like that. But it turns out there is a real person doing stuff to people. Oh. Chibbins and things. Was it good? It was alright. I mean, it was a, a, a crappy B movie horror film, and it knows it. I horror film, it knows what it is. Right. Um, it's like an hour and a half. It killed enough time. It was. Mm. The performances are just exactly what you would expect for these kind of things. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it was alright. Um, yeah. So speaking of Amazon Prime, um, I actually. Because I'd watched um, Between Two Ferns was that Galifianakis the movie um, I kind of went in a Galifianakis rabbit hole and a film I couldn't find uh, on Netflix but I found on Amazon Prime because I was like I need to rewatch this and I rewatched uh, Dinner Dinner uh, for Schmucks which second time round I was much more entertained with it I thought it was I, remember enjoying that I thought it was really fun. and I thought Galifianakis in particular was excellent in it mm. Um, he, he is the best thing in that. Yeah. Um, closely followed by uh, Jermaine Clement, who, again, I'm a sucker for stupid art in movies, and some of his fucking photographs and paintings are absolutely amazing. When he talks about delivering a lamb and having his his elbow up in a lamb's vagina, I was, I was fucking away with it. I thought it was funny as fuck. But yeah, the whole back and forth with Carell and... Um, Galifianakis was excellent. It was the highlight of the movie. Paul Rudd's just there, and I like Paul Rudd, but he really has not much to do in that film. I find that a lot with Paul Rudd, to be honest, is that he's a guy who he's always, he's always kind of just there, kind of does his job, he's fine at what he does, but will, will never be a standout. Um, I thought, again... It was an ensemble piece, mind you, uh, the, between two ferns, but I thought his interview was one of the best ones because uh, he came away with one of, um, if not the best line of the film, where Galifianakis is like, "Are you a pra- uh, do you hide the fact you're Jewish? Are you a practicing Jew? And he went, I don't practice it. I perfected it. And he just kind of <laughs> smiles at the camera. I was like, what a fucking line. That was excellent. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I did it for schmucks. It was, I was like, you know what? That was, that was a... That's a nice wee comedy that not a lot of folk talk about, and I was like, that was really quite entertaining. Um, no, I liked it. I remember like, liking that when I saw it. Yeah. Um, I think, what else? Uh, you, South Park all got added oh, to yeah, Amazon Prime. Park, apart from one episode so far. Oh, really? Yeah, Super Best Friends isn't on it. Oh, because of the Prophet Mohammed. Because of the Prophet Mohammed. It's on all SP. <laughs> uh so yeah, I've watched, I think I'm about halfway through season five now, I've watched a lot of South Park. So have I, I've, I've watched bits and bobs. Uh, um, it's, it's been interesting going back to the very start, um, when you're kind of concurrently watching the latest season, uh-huh. uh, just to see the difference in like where the animation's got to. The quality of the jokes and uh, that. Well, not even quality of the jokes, because... The type of stuff that they're writing now mm-hmm. is so completely removed from what they're writing, like season one to three. Well, that was like season one to three was, oh, dick, farts, vaginas, cocks. Yeah, like, Whereas it became more of a satire yeah. on social See, issues. Season one, season one to three is very much a we're kind of doing The Simpsons, but we're saying dick, cock, mm-hmm. fuck. It's very much a adventure of the week yeah. type show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not it's only really once you hit kind of I think it's it's when they go to the when they go into the fourth grade mm-hmm. 
and you've got I think around kind of around finger bang that episode <laughs> yeah is when it becomes every episode is gold yeah uh, yeah because from from that kind of time it's when they bring Randy in a lot more mm-hmm. uh, Butters comes in you've got Timmy mm-hmm. Jimmy's just turned up mm-hmm. uh, they do a lot more with the surrounding characters yeah. who are all far more interesting yeah. than the four boys apart from Cartman because I've just they've just gotten through Scott Tenorman must die mm-hmm. so Cartman is now a weird horrendous killer yeah, <laughs> and they kind of lean into that for yeah. a good couple of episodes I, I, I again I've been watching it on all SP just because it's there on my laptop. I mean, I could just watch it. On, well, uh, on your trailer, right? I could, but I just like the, the laptop just sits in my bed and I just look at that and it's it's easy. Um, but it amazes me how you're so willing to watch things in bad quality. I just don't. I'm fine with it, man. I'm I'm not a fussy person. Um, see, the thing is, so uh, I think I'm on that season with Scott Town Must Die because again, I just watch random episodes. Yeah. I'll think of one that puts me on. Just when you mentioned butters, butters is what. But see the episodes, a lot of them that are just about butters, they're great. Yeah. Some of them are absolutely fantastic. Butters is one of the best characters in South Park. Like so they, I, they realize that quite quickly as well, because mm-hmm. he goes from just being a guy who's in an episode to he's in every episode. Yeah, like I think it's the episode where it, it's the butters episode where if it's like you know butters is a sweet innocent wee boy who's just trying. to you know, just play and be innocent and be a kid, and then it's like if you know, Detective Butters has to uh, see what Daddy's getting his mummy a, a a present, so he follows him and finds out that he's going to like um, these late night kind of gay bathhouses and all that, and then his his mum like has a breakdown and tries to kill Butters, and then they go out of the press saying oh it was a Puerto Rican guy <laughs> it's just like this is fucking like, it just turns so dark and there's so many times where Butters' parents are brought into the, the plot and it's great but even with that like, they do they do like totally out of continuity like, it's, not, it's not real continuity there is a wee bit but mm. totally out of continuity stuff like the Great Expectations yeah. Episode, which is purely designed just to get Pip over. Yeah. It's so and it's such a ridiculous episode as well, the whole thing with the Genesis machine. Yeah. And it's fantastic. That, that's funny. I the fact they've got Malcolm McDowell doing yeah. the, the thing, he's like, I'm an English person. <laughs> uh that that whole thing was that that's yeah. great. But Pip Pip never got over he he was over for a wee bit, but just not enough as but like Pip is what Butters eventually yeah, became. Butters took over from yeah. Pip. Yeah. Um but yeah, like me and my brother, my brother was actually asking me, he says, what's your top five South Park episodes? I was like, dude, that's too hard. They're 23, 23 seasons and 90, yeah, 97% of it is gold. And there's a couple where I'm like, right, I'm thinking of that and I'm like, oh shit, no, but I, I got to have that as well. Um, but I think, if I remember correctly, let me think, the ones that I kind of got, um, I really like uh, the Taylor Scrooge McBooger Balls. Yeah, it's a quality episode. Um, the losing, the losing edge. The the one where Randy fights Bat Dad. Um, just again, most yeah. most Randy centric yeah. episodes are amazing. Um, I wanted Imagination Land, but I thought that might be cheating because that's like a big three episode epic. And I still want to know how they get away with having quite clearly Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, and all these copyrighted characters like Aslan. And I was like, how are you able to get away with having them without having permission to have them? But then yeah, some. 
Yeah, I don't know—is it parody or is it pa- parody or is it some kind of commentary on, or satirical commentary? I don't know what it is because again, I was like, that—that that must be the rule that they are able to enforce because yeah. they have everything, every every possible character you can think of uh, from our childhood and all that is in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but that was a, that was a hard question. Uh, if y'all are listening and want to chime in, give us your favourite South Park eps because that'll be an interesting conversation. Um, but yeah, I've been watching a lot of random eps as well. I watched Butter's Bottom Bitch, which is a fucking great episode because I was talking to our pal Stevie about it. Not because when Butters becomes a pimp, that in itself is funny. It's when the cop is when the the, the lieutenant of South Park Police goes undercover as a prostitute and is trying to solicit sex from folk and then takes the money, has sex with them, and then gets them arrested. <laughs> and then at one point he's at a frat house and then he has sex with all these fucking frat guys and then gets a bit of an evidence bag and farts that's like jizz and that uh, into the fucking bag. And I was like, that's so disgusting, it's great. <laughs> on the Warcraft episode as well. Oh, fuck, mate, love not Warcraft. That's one of my uh, brother's favourites and it is fucking tremendous. That bit where um, Cartman... Doesn't go off the seat and he's like, Mom, poop, poop. <laughs> he just shits all over. It's, and it's so grim. It's so grim. I, I watched uh, before you came, well, I went for a swim, David. Before I went for a swim, I watched the app where um, they. It's the one where the main plot is Priest. Is it Priest Mackey? Priest, the, the Priest. Yeah, Priest he basically has to go to the Vatican to be, or, or, or the archbishops is, to talk about. Is this the one where God's a giant spider? Um, the, or the Catholic God's a giant spider? He's a giant cause, spider. Because you, you see God a couple of times. Yeah, right? uh, well, God is a hamster yeah. fucking thing. But the, 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 the higher power of the Catholic Church is a giant spider. Um, not only that... The, the subplot is that they've learned that you could eat stuff and shit out your mouth. That's right. And then you see like them pooping out of the mouth, it just slides out. It's, it's so fucking funny. Like they're really good with minging stuff like that. Like again, I rewatched an ep about when they all go gluten. Right. And one of the one of the one of the things about eating complete uh, so eating gluten is that your dick might fly off, and the way it just escapes someone's trousers and flies the fuck off like a rocket. It was oh fucking hell! Like, I forgot all about how that joke, and I thought it was so funny. But yeah, it's cool that they've got South Park now and Amazon Prime. It's a shame that they don't have the um, the super the Super Friends one on. But I wonder if it maybe then doesn't have episodes two hundred and two hundred I hope it does, man, because those are great episodes. Yeah. Is that the one where they accuse Tom Cruise of being a fudge packer? Yeah. Sorry, he is a fudge packer. He's at a fudge factory packing fudge. Yeah, he's in the dark <laughs> alleys all in the closet. Yes, yes. Uh, oh, fuck, i seen something get added to Netflix, and it was just the episodes called Surviving R. Kelly, oh, where they talked to his victims. I watched a wee bit of it, and I was like, man, I don't know if I can yeah. watch the rest of this. This is pretty fucking grim. Um and uh, what else have you been watching? Do you say you watched this in chat? Uh, yeah, uh, we put the second ten episodes of season one on Netflix. Mm. I don't know why they'd call it part one and part two. Just call it season one, season two. Yeah, hell. yeah. Just have ten your ten episode seasons. Mm. It's Netflix. It's not going to syndication. I've seen the trailer for the fir- first series, and you said it was pretty good. And I do like Matt Groening. And you said it, it leans more towards Futurama. It's very much that like Matt Groening kind of show. It's um, it's more Futurama than Simpsons, which, mm. to be honest, is not a bad thing. Yeah, I know. I, I've, I've came to enjoy Futurama from what I've seen of it because I never used to. I would say, I, on a whole, I probably prefer Futurama. 
Futurama, I think, kind of did it know when it was done, or did it get cancelled? It got cancelled twice, didn't it? Yeah, it got cancelled twice, and then kept and, getting saved. Yeah, and then it was like, no, it's done. But I again, it's not like the Simpsons where you really need to take that out the back and shoot yeah. it. Yeah, I watched a, a relatively recent episode of The Simpsons the other day, where and even that it must have been a couple of years old mm. uh, it's about hipsters that move in next door oh yeah and it's just this utter garbage is that the one where they like use steam yeah. punk stuff but they all have mobile phones as yeah. well mm. yeah it's just utter garbage the writing was terrible yeah I know it's, it's, a, it's a sad time when you see it like that you're like man do you remember what, what this used to be yeah. it doesn't even look good anymore no but the animation's got pretty crappy and mm. what the colour palette has gone really weird it's, yeah it's yeah. Um Should let it die. I, I I wish they would. I really, really wish they would. Um but again on the subject of animated shows, uh, we both watched the latest series of Big Mouth. Yeah, I watched that though. I thought it is still consistently good. Yeah, um, I thought I was like, Well, we're on the third season here and we've established that this is a show about folk going through puberty and different steps of it. I quite liked some of the apps where it focused on the um, obsession that Nick has with his um, phone. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was pretty sweet. Yeah, because it kind of bra- it branched out from it just always being about sex. Yeah. Which I think the show maybe needs to start doing a wee bit more of. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I thought some of the songs were great. Like the whole sexual orientation spectrum, I thought that song was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the idea of doing a musical about the film Disclosure was hilarious, mm-hmm. and it's quite creepy that episode as well. Yeah, it's a very creepy. And episode. I was like, I was like, I quite like they leaned into that a wee bit mm-hmm. because there's. I always thought if MD was going to be creepy, it might be Coach Steve who. I really enjoy the fact that they just include him in episodes. And yeah, the way they get him in the episodes when he's no longer working at the school is quite, quite yeah. good. The whole, when the Queer Eye boys come to help him out, I thought was really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I even like the fact that like <laughs> the, the, the show is so aware of the fact it's a Netflix show. They even say how Amazon Prime is better and things like that. And Well, there's a couple of gags throughout it where they, where they totally suck up to Netflix. Yeah. And then I think... Because where Andrew's got to by that point in the in the story, that that's when he's kind of the bad guy. So that's why he says it. Yeah, but I thought I thought it ended really well. I I quite liked the fact that it was quite a somber ending, and it's like, right, well, where are we going to go for this? Go. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's nowhere near as depressing and self-reflective as say BoJack Horseman. <laughs> But I mean, because that's I still haven't watched rewatched the last season because that was tough to watch. Yeah. It's like there's no really good mood to watch BoJack. It will depress the fuck out of you whilst you giggle. So, so much of it just hits so close to home. <laughs> and not 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 nobody saying no. I'm just like BoJack Horseman. No, every character in that. Yeah, there's parts of everybody in that where you think, oh. Yeah, a lot of a lot about BoJack is. There's a lot of honesty in it. They don't try to... There's a lot of times where it's like, they're not going to sugarcoat how this is going to turn out. It's like, people are terrible, and this is what happens when people make decisions. That are some, that are, you know, it's like, sometimes they're good, a lot of times they're fucking terrible, and they don't even realise why they've done it. Mm. And, yeah. But, uh, Big Mouth, I thought, was uh, consistently yeah, good. consistently enjoyable. Yeah, very much so. Um, so, I was happy with that. Um, let's get. I was gonna say. Um, see, before we get back to the cinema, 
Um, you were saying, well, so I was going to ask you, you were in the super screen, you were saying, did you see the new trailer or the extended trailer for the Birds of Prey? Uh, There's a bit more of you, McGregor in it. I know, I watched it on YouTube, I think. I don't care. I, I just don't care. I, I don't care because it's... There seems to be like four different DC cinematic universes going just now. Yeah. And this is set, obviously, in the Suicide Squad one, mm-hmm. which Suicide Squad is rubbish. I, I th- our, uh, friend, our friend of the podcast, Lee, put it best. He says she's got Jack Sparrow sequel syndrome. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, because out of all the other birds of prey, the only one they focus on is Harley. Yeah. Like, she will be the main character of that film and yeah. everybody else will be supporting roles. Yeah. So it's, which yeah. is ridiculous because Black Canary should be front and centre on the old birds of prey. Aye, but no cut knows who she is. Harley even, even be fucking in it. Aye, but no cut um, knows who she is, mate. They know uh, who Harley is, though. Uh, <laughs> Everybody in the world by now, no doubt, knows my thoughts on Harley Quinn's a character. Yeah, I know. And how much I, I just don't like her. Yeah. So, having me sit through another film where she, she's front and centre, and it's this probably worst version of the Harley Quinn character that I've ever seen. I don't know, the Arkham Origins, the Arkham Games is pretty rubbish. Mm. Um, just makes it even more annoying. Is your favourite Harley animated series Harley, even though is, you don't like the character? That is the only one canonical version of that character that should exist. Okay. And actually, quite that's the only time I actually like Harley Quinn because she's written well. Uh, she's very yeah, she's written very well in that yeah. show. The whole show, the the episode where and it's, it's about her backstory and you find out why and what happened with her uh, with the whole Joker thing. Uh, the ending of that episode. There's, there's a great episode of that where. Joker keeps coming up with all these plans to get Batman um, and he's working out of this fish factory and all Harley Quinn wants is to get a bit of attention from him to the point where it gets quite sexual in yeah. some ways but there's a bit where she's got this fish costume on it's mm. just a set of eyes I remember this set mm. and I think that's one of the funniest sight gags that I've seen that I, I, rem- seen. Yeah, I remember that because again is that not also the ep where she gets that pissed off with him uh, ah, she, she, she goes and gets Batman yeah she betrays him and then the very last shot I think is when he goes to jail and he sends her a wee rose saying Jay because she's like I'm yeah. fucking finished with the Joker and then he sends a ah, wee rose cause, and cause that and lets, then she's because he lets Batman go because uh, like he's like hold on I wanted it aye I don't know that yeah that yeah that's yeah that's a great episode um but yeah um I just I don't care and I I don't know how well how good a fit Ewan McGregor will be for Black Mask but we'll wait and see I've always felt Black Mask is a very very serious character and in this it looks like he's going to be playing with them he's having a bit of a laugh with it um yeah. I'll, I'll go and watch it. I'm going to really not find it that good. Oh no, I will watch it. I just I'm going in with expectations very low because yeah. all I've got from Harley that Margot Robbie's Harley is the Suicide Squad, which I didn't enjoy, and this looks like it's going for like you said, same universe, same aesthetic, yeah. same look, and I'm like, yeah, it just looks like a garbage spin-off. Yeah. But anyway, 
However, you went and seen a film called Farewell, which you really enjoyed. Oh, yeah, I thought that would have been Farewell Week. But... Oh, sorry. Wait, do you, I'll tell you what. Do you want No, no, no. It's just because we've both seen Joker. Yeah, no. Um, I do want to go. I might go watch Farewell today. Well, my film of the week this week is Farewell. Is The Farewell, uh, starring Aquafina. Aquafina? Aquafina? I think it's Aquafina. Aquafina? Yeah. Um, who you've. Probably, most of you probably know from Ocean's, Ocean's 8. 8. Yeah. Uh, she, she's a pop star, right? Yeah, she's a pop star as well. Right, yeah. Our stuff's all right. I've, so like such a grand, she's a pop star, yeah. right? <laughs> um, she is Chinese-American. Well, no, she's she's actually born in China, but mm-hmm. her family moved to America uh, when she was six years old, so she's yeah. more Chinese-American. Yeah. Um, she lives in New York. She's... She's a, a she's an artist of some kind. I can't quite remember what it was. Uh, I think it was a pianist. Um, not a jewel thief, no. No. <laughs> uh, who has been let down for a scholarship, so she's run one money. Um, her mum and dad are going to China um, because they've been given bad news about uh, the dad's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, she has some form of a cancer. Um, what was that? Yeah. So, so what the family, the whole family as a whole, had decided to do, uh, and is apparently tradition in China. Uh, they don't tell the grandmother that she has this illness, mm-hmm. so that her last remaining time, because she's given three months to live, is spent happily. As yeah. opposed to uh, the Chinese believe living that, with this disease. Yeah, the yeah. Chinese believe that it's not the disease that kills you; it's the fear of death that right. comes along with it. Um, so, one of the brothers uh, who lives in Japan brings his family over, including his brother, uh, sorry, his son and his girlfriend, who they're going to put on a fake wedding. Right. Um, or at least they say it's going to be a fake wedding. Right. It plays out very much like a real win, real one. Yeah. So you feel uh, like a, a wedding rehearsal almost, or just you say like an, an actual. Well, no, an actual fake. We go through the process. Right. Okay. Um, as they're, and they're using that as an excuse for why the whole family has come together to be with the grandmother. Um, it's from from that. I won't really tell you things that happened because mm-hmm. it's no point. It's a it's a family drama. Yeah. Um, it's very much about that that sense of where is home, what is home, um, what matters in the grand scheme of things. There's the whole a difference in culture. Does that come into there, play? There, yeah? there is aspects of that because, but it's more so. You get the kind of on the face of the aspects of China versus the West mm-hmm. in terms of how they do things like for instance Better watch me, you might uh, get banned. <laughs> <laughs> like for instance, if they say it's Chinese tradition you don't tell the the, the family member that mm-hmm. they're dying, whereas that would be illegal in Western yeah. cu- culture to yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. But in in China that is a tradition. Yeah. Every, they make it out like everybody does it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also flashpoints in it where the ones who live in China, uh, there's conversations between them and the ones who live in Japan and, and America. This idea of what is China 
and that that culture compared to okay you're Chinese mm-hmm. but you them how you've embraced that culture yeah how that then makes you different right um and how do you then kind of bridge that gap mm-hmm. uh, it's it's brilliant it's one of the best films I've seen this year yeah I, um, I, I, sorry very strong performance from Alcafina. Um a lot of the um and I, I I won't lie, I don't really know any of these names. Yeah. Uh, but like the The supporting cast. The supporting cast of like the yeah. grandmother is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh the mother is fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. You'll recognise the guy who plays the dad because he's been like he has been on the stuff. Right. But I can tell you who. Um the performance a lot of the performances are really delicate and there's a lot of joy in them right um what they've got like the the japanese girlfriend mm-hmm. who doesn't speak any chinese mm-hmm. a lot, there's a lot of the scenes a lot a lot of scenes are very kind of one room all the family there mm-hmm. a lot a lot of the time whilst eating right because it's a very kind of communal thing you know? mm-hmm. um so you've got the Japanese girlfriend who's just a lot of kind of humour in her is that she's getting the idea what's going on right uh, and the, there's a scene where the the couple go to get their wedding photographs taken like the engagement ones which seems to be a, a cultural thing right so they go to this place which is all just kind of rooms with specific designs like a jungle room a fancy castle room things like that right so whilst Okafina and the grandmother are having this really big heart to heart about kind of how there's so much distance between them, uh, kind of how they live their lives, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you've got these two idiots in the background getting photographs taken for something uh, for a event that they, you can tell they're not comfortable doing, right? And just kind of, kind of like stupid stuff like things breaking and things like that. So, there is kind of okay, this subtlety, yeah, to everything that's yeah. kind of going on in it, mm-hmm. okay. Mm. Nah, it sounds excellent, man. Like uh, I, I read about it. I remember reading about it, and uh, it was like last time I was going up north. It was I usually get like an Empire, a total film, just something I can read so I can go on the bus and fall asleep. But I remember reading that, and that was one of the things that stood out. I was like, that looks excellent, mm. or it sounds excellent. So that's good, man. That's good that it's out. Yeah, um, that's, that's I'll, really I'll need good. to maybe I'll need to get and watch it because no doubt it will. It won't be. It won't be there long. Not even on anymore, to be honest. Mm. Same as um, Parasite. Yeah, when that comes out, I I'll need to. Until the 11th of February. Fucking hell, really? It comes out in November in America. Right, but it's not here till oh, fuck's sake. Okay, well, I'll need to again keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah. So the last film we'll talk about it's um it's it's, it's on all the billboards. It's the most talked about movie of the week. Um, is Todd Phillips' uh, Todd Phillips's Joker. Um, well, they say standalone, but it's no way going to be a standalone movie. But this Which is makes it so much more annoying. Yeah, um, <laughs> it stars Joaquin Phoenix. Um, it's uh, basically an origin story of uh, the Batman villain Joker. Um, Joaquin Phoenix plays Arthur Fleck, who is um, a clown for hire. Um, also, wants to be a stand-up comedian. Has dreams of meeting um, Robert De Niro. Uh, who plays a cheesy chat show host and the film is basically about oh and it's set in the 1980s in Gotham where um, the poorer the poor and the richer are getting richer 
there's kind of social upheaval starting to kind of brew and as I said it's told through the eyes of Arthur Fleck someone who is struggling with mental illness is struggling to fit into society and is just generally struggling and this uh, carries on to his destiny in which he becomes the Joker um, and Neil go for it I know you did not like this film well I don't know if I you didn't like it is it you you were you didn't get the hype I have seen this film twice I was going to watch it a second time as well and I will never watch it again okay because I, the hype that, that comes along with this film is so unwarranted uh, I'm not even talking about just like the whole kind of the, the political aspect which seems to be that the media just is waiting for some gun nut to cut and kill people in cinemas mm-hmm. but just the whole kind of oh, film of the year oh best film ever you're going to get that with a lot of films where it's yeah, like, well, it, tur- it like, turns out not to be you that get, you get that with everything mm-hmm. um, and to be fair I mean it says that on all the posters yeah, and to be fair going into it I, I had no I didn't have the expectation that it was going to be that I, I remember I, from the get go you were not keen it's a, it's it always feel, feels like an unnecessary thing. I don't. I mm-hmm. the thing about the Joker is he shouldn't ever have an origin because of the type of character that he is. Hmm. Um, so you could argue as well the fact that we're a bit overbloated with uh, the Joker. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So is that yeah. we we had him in the Dark Knight, but with Heath Ledger, then of course Jared Leto and uh, Suicide Squad, and it's like. When this was coming out, I was like, "Do we need another film about the Joker?" Well, see, this is this is the thing that I wonder about this film. Okay. And don't, folks, I will get back to actual proper thoughts about this. But one thing that I wonder about this film is when did this film become a film about the Joker? But okay. At what point in the writing did Warner Brothers go? Oh, we need we need a Joker movie. This guy script could maybe work because there's a lot of bits. There was a lot of bits I found. Which it, it had no net, there was n- there was no reason for it to ever be a Joker film. Okay. Like the concept of it becoming a film about him becoming the Joker mm-hmm. felt a little tacked on to me. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um. It because and uh, I think it's maybe part of one of the major kind of flaws of the film for me is that this film so desperately wants to be seen and talked about in the same breath as films like Taxi Driver, uh, King of Comedy. I would say there's bits of Death Wish in here. There's bits of fucking Dog Day Afternoon as well. Mm. It's it's so derivative in, in terms of its... I suppose a lot of people say, oh, it's paying homage. But to me, it just felt like it was like, all right, okay, this is, we want to make this type of film, here's the best way to go and do it, by just kind of copying a lot. Uh, and it just felt really hollow and empty. Right. And, uh, from the word go, you see that he's a, he's a guy who's on the fringes of the society. Mm-hmm. He has mental illness, which within like the first five, first ten minutes of the film, Mm-hmm. it's shown that he's mentally ill 
Uh, he, the, he he goes to the docks. He, he receives the therapy. He gets therapy. Uh, meds. Uh, there's a quick flashback to him showing a violent tendency. Uh, you see his his diary, which is also his joke book, which is also a journal kind of and a kind yeah. of journal, which is all the written stuffs horrendously nihilistic. Mm-hmm. There's. Uh, See when you see like serial killers journals and things like that, scratched out stuff and mm-hmm. weird pictures of porn and things like that included yeah. into it. It's like from the ten minutes in, it's like, alright, okay, this guy's a psycho. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't feel any sympathy for him. I think uh, I okay, carry on. I couldn't feel any sympathy for him. Mm-hmm. Uh and that kind of went on as any time he met anyone, like you get introduced to his mother, who's a very hollow character of oh she's a bit mental. Mm. He looks after her. That's it. Then you meet Zazie Betts's character, mm-hmm. which you kind of go, all right, okay, so she'll be love interest. Which kind of go down that line. Turns out he's delusional, and it's like oh, it's kind of mm-hmm. a bit. Oh, I think that's what I'm looking for. Uh, predictable because mm-hmm. they've all because they've already set up that he's an unreliable narrator mm-hmm. uh, with and that he is delusional mm-hmm. so it's like alright okay so they won't actually really go with that and then you get the bit where he fucking t- it turns out he might be fucking Bruce Wayne's uh, Bruce Wayne's brother and it's like oh god we're going to drag Batman actually into this and then he goes and molests Bruce Wayne Alfred does nothing about it. Big Is fat, that Alfred? Yeah, it's in the credits as Alfred. All right. Big fat Alfred. Uh, Thomas Wayne does something about it though. Oh, he punches him in the face. If you were there with your fingers in your fucking son's mouth, you'd be barring the guy. Mm. It's ridiculous. Also, Thomas Wayne was rubbish. Like, yeah, I wasn't a like, fan of the portrayal was, of Thomas Wayne. It was originally, I know it was originally supposed to be Ali Baldwin, so when Ali Baldwin says no, you just don't go out and get the slightly fatter looking Ali Baldwin. Which is, yeah, he does look like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it just all felt very hollow. The whole stuff, like, I, it felt like a film that seemed like it was trying to make all these grand statements, and it does try to make political statements, but then it gets muddled in its own narrative in the sense that they're trying to, they're making these and uh, anti-capitalist kind of statements, the mm-hmm. whole thing of like oh eat the rich that kind of thing, mm-hmm. how the world thinks this guy who murdered three three bankers on a train is a hero as opposed to uh, mm. just a psycho guy who murdered three guys on a train. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it, the whole kind of cult of personality then builds out of that. Uh, what was the thing? I, I kind of get lost there, moan thought. Uh, and then like you get then it's like alright okay you get the whole kind of third act where it's him on the TV show where Mark Maron turns up and does nothing for five minutes uh, Robert Nero looks like he's phoning it in you get you get the whole thing of Joker comes out and he's, all, and he's full gear because he's now off his meds, so he sees clearly. So that's as if, as if to justify, alright, I can go and murder guys now. 
and he comes out and goes, oh no, I'm not wearing that stuff as a political statement, man. No, I don't really care about that stuff. And then makes a political statement about, yeah. about how he's on the fringe of the society and nobody cares. <laughs> and then Todd Phillips in the scripts has a whine about how he can't make the hangover floor anymore. Okay. Uh... And it's just... It, don't get me wrong, it looks really good. Uh, the cinematography is really good. Mm-hmm. It's just... It, it's a film that, for me... And I know I will be an outlier in this. That was really pretentious, and okay. thought it was trying to make this big grand statement, and just it didn't. It, it eventually just had nothing really to say about it. Okay. And also, if I have to watch Thomas and Martha Wayne get shot in an alley again, I think I'm done with Batman movies. Well, I was going to say it's still early days, but we've there's there's a couple of spoilers in there, so. You know, hopefully folk have seen it. <clears throat> uh, uh, I really enjoyed it, man. It's uh, it's not perfect, absolutely not. Um, but I I loved it. I thought it was excellent. Um, the connections to Taxi Driver and King of Comedy are absolutely there. That you'd have to be blind not to see that. Uh, I thought Joaquin Phoenix's performance was brutal uh, and intense. Uh, I thought he was I just thought he was I thought he nailed it I thought he kind of made it it didn't feel like he was copying MD he was very much making it the this the, the Joker his own I, I just didn't get the whole big deal about his performance losing all that weight is not a performance no but I thought he was a very intense uh, I thought like he when he when he wanted to look fragile he did when he was brutal he did uh, I just thought that he I thought the beats of all his character came through very well uh, even like is clowny run like just little kind of things that little tweaks that he put in there that I thought uh, were excellent um, I thought that again cinematography was excellent um, I thought that um, I I thought generally I just enjoyed it man I'll be honest with you I kind of I would I would say that like from what you were saying my, my two main complaints were um, anytime Bruce Wayne's in the film it's not needed uh, I really didn't like the whole crime alley bit. I didn't think it was needed. You could argue, again, if you're going to say, oh, it's a standalone movie, it's like you don't include that then because it's clearly not a standalone movie if you're going to show that again. It's kind of like the whole, we know who Spider-Man is, we don't need to know how he became Spider-Man. Bruce Wayne, we know he's Batman, we don't need to see it again now he's Batman. We get hit over the head with that hammer a lot. Um, I didn't really like the portrayal of Thomas Wayne because um, if you are going to go the route of well, Batman loved his parents and all that, and Thomas Wayne shouldn't be seen as this yeah, kind of elitist, yeah. as this kind of elitist and this uh, prick. Um, he's all, he's almost put forward. It reminds me a lot of let's see the bit where he's on the telly and he talks about how all these people who are protesting are now just all clowns. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of the Hillary Hillary Clinton speech where she called all the Trump supporters deplorables. Mm. Well. Um, See that, that that's the other thing that was a that was a thing about it, where like there was so many there was a lot of allergies to modern day politics in it. Yeah, but yeah, it never seemed it never seemed to be cohesive in what it was actually trying to say about it. Again, like the way I looked at it was definitely <clears throat> it, there was definitely echoes of like 
like the current political climate where a lot of folk are fucking fed up with like your Trumps and mm. I mean I mean obviously it's an American movie I'm not going to say Trumps and Brexit and all that but I'll say let's say Trump and his administration and the way folk are feeling the, the kind of general like we've had enough of this kind of uh, <clears throat> this kind of shit um, I kind of looked at it as I quite like in the fact that it's set in the 80s and there's like you know these giant rats and it's and there's like a, there's a garbage strike and there's this and uh, the whole Arthur Fleck is kind of part of society where he's getting his meds cut off. He's getting uh, like all all these all these things that he needs to kind of go. Uh, it was kind that's, of almost that's like that's one thing which I had in the show is why is he getting his meds cut off? The person that goes to uh, and then later on gets told they won't be able to see anymore. Hmm. It's a health department uh, psychologist, a doctor would be able to pre- prescribe him his meds. Uh, I don't know, but again, just the way it was when I'm yeah. when watching the film, I was just like, yeah, okay. And these little things are building up. The whole he ends up being like, see the whole after he commits those crimes and then ends up going to thingy's door and she just lets him. And I was like, no, this isn't real. Yeah, this relationship it's, isn't real. And I was fine. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm aware of this, but you know, the, like the casual yeah, the casual cinema gore will be like, oh fuck, and I'm like, well, yeah, no, well, it's, I, I I was fine with it in terms of. The predictability of mm. yeah, it'll turn out this isn't real. If they'd made, if they'd given Zazie Betts' character any kind of real credibility in the story, mm. she just happens to be there, yeah, and maybe just has a line. Yeah, that thing that was one of my that was an issue for me with it was that because everybody was so underwritten and it hung so much on Arthur Fleck, on yeah. Arthur Fleck, there was nobody. There was nobody to really kind of bounce off of. There was no foil to it to really kind of show you how far he was dropping. There was because for I, me, okay. Because for me, the step from Arthur Fleck taking a gun to a children's hospital to Arthur Fleck not caring that he's shot three, three and killed three guys in a mm. subway train was so minimal that that was literally step one step two mm-hmm. there for me there was no it was like my, it reminded me a lot of my issues with Breaking Bad right is that Walter, Walter White goes from oh, I've got cancer to my drug lord in the space of like an episode uh, that's that's not quite what happens with Breaking Bad um, <clears throat> with the Joker though I didn't I thought like the gradual kind of um, the kind of torment that Arthur Flex kind of been uh, had to go well you could argue his whole life because again you start to learn a lot about Arthur Fleck that maybe like these oppressed traumas that he was unaware of oh you mean the tick box box exercise and what makes people psychotic well that might be what it is but it's that way I I thought it worked for I thought it worked for the character in terms of showing us a wee bit more of like these past traumas and it opens up a wee bit more about why his mum is the way she is and why she thinks this about Thomas Wayne Um. I thought that that added to the kind of psyche and the kind of boiling point where Arthur Fleck does become the Joker, um, and uh, I quite like the third act as well, man. Like again, you you'd be you'd be crazy not to say oh, it doesn't 
feel like the king of comedy or even taxi driver because again taxi driver you know someone who's fucking fed up with everything decides they need to be do something arthur fleck is very much a product of a system that doesn't seem to care about him or he certainly thinks doesn't care about him he murders three wanker bankers who are being an arsehole to last in the thing and again it's the 80s it's yuppies it's like us versus them kind of mentality as well um no i, I thought I, I, I thought the majority of the film everything for it kind of worked for me it might seem i know what you're saying it might seem well that's a tick box and that's so easy and that's so lazy for me I, I thought it all worked well for what the character was uh, said in the end for me, but I but what you're saying I'm not saying no you're not wrong. There's oh, there's well, there's that that bit where he says that oh no I'm not here to make political statements, and then has a moan about political statements. Yeah, but then you could argue it's the same as in the Dark Knight where he says oh. Uh, I'm not a schemer, I just do things where he's talking shit, he's manipulating Harvey that's one thing Paco hates about the Dark Knight he says, well he says that, but then he does that I'm like, yeah, he's manipulating him, that's the whole fucking point and for me, for the Joker, I was like, yeah he's saying that because he's going to go on the show and he's going to be a good boy, but really he's going to fucking say what he thinks and that is what I took from that, because I mean yeah, he's just fucking, he's going he's gonna to say that to be a good boy, and then when he goes out and he's got a stage and he's got a, a microphone, he will just fucking let loose he will admit the fact that he's a criminal but he'll he admit says what he that did. when he's already on stage why would he bother? What? He literally goes from the words, no I'm not here to make a political statement, I'm dressed like this yeah, but I, again, again, I look at that as an, just stupid writing I, I look at it as an he's kind of fucking with people at this point, no, it'd be, it would be fucking with him if he said to fucking uh, De Niro, De Niro, like before he was out, look, mate, it's just it's a coincidence. I'd, again, but it, that, it, that's fucking with him. It, again, it didn't bother me. I was just like that step was fine with me, and then um, to go from that to out in the street, I quite liked all that. Well, but again, where, where, they had, where they did the. Oh well, Dark Knight had a bit where he's hanging at a car, looking at all the the chaos he's created. Yeah. So they just essentially recreate that. Yeah, it's it's a, it's, yeah. a it's a common Joker trope that you'll see, mm. not just in the Dark Knight. It's in a lot of the. Uh, it's in. It's in Name two other. Well, what well, he's ha- not specifically he's hanging out a car. Ah. Not specifically he's hanging out a car, but like, he's looking at the chaos that he's created. Uh, Tim Burton's Batman, um, Joker's like that when he's got the fucking ga- he's gassing Gotham, um, the animated series, pff, take your pick, um, but yeah, um, I there's um, I, there was a lot about it I just really really fucking enjoyed. I I, I also find it quite distasteful that f- purely for what feels like edge lord shock value that a convicted paedophile is now going to make millions of pounds. Again. I said this to my mate, or our friend, and he's like, I'm not going to the cinema to watch that film then. Because um, because they're using the song Rock and Roll Part 2, it means that guys... And it's like, purely for shock value. I... The, the thing is, right, it is a Gary Glitter song. It's a very catchy song. It's very... It, but it's, again, it's, it's the whole argument again. He is a convicted paedophile, absolutely. Um, is it a good song? I like the song, but I don't like the guy. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same as like, oh well, Michael Jackson was maybe a maybe a paedophile. You're gonna stop listening to Thriller. I'm like, well, no. But at the same time, it's it sucks that that, that you're you're always gonna have that thing. When, but yeah, that that does suck. I mean, yeah. that does suck. Um, uh, what else could I say? The whole um, thing about well, this film's dangerous. 
Oh, that's bullshit. There's, I'm like, man. There's fucking nothing in this for it to be dangerous. I was like, this, oh, so you're just waiting for some gun nut to do a thing. I'm like, does that mean playing GTA 5 makes you a criminal? You know, it's the, it's the age old, this is, this is what's, like, this, this is a headline and an article and a clickbait thing that has been going around the internet because a friend of mine says he he posted it to me saying like the, the same kind of headline says they recycle this headline for fucking oh, yeah. everything right. this film is so shocking three foot walked out I was like mate that, I'm going to bet the studio made that up to it sell it sells tickets there, oh, there, man. Was, there was a cinema in America which I'd saw reported and I'd saw I think it was in if it's one you're thinking, I think it was, in, it was in New York. Yeah. Someone was clapping. No, no. Because, no. uh, fuck, why would anybody clap for this film? Well, we were always uh, clapping every time someone was getting killed and then a bunch uh, of folk walked out. Um, we did that to watching Rambo 5. Rambo 5 is a cartoon. <laughs> so was this. Mm. Uh, anyway, there was a, a cinema in America that wasn't selling seats to single people. You could only go and watch it if you were in a couple. Fuck off. Yeah. That's discrimination, like, man. Not everybody who singles a psycho. It's like utterly ridiculous. Taking things far too far. I don't fucking do that to me, man. I'll eat their mm. skin. Don't worry about your skin. Oh, no, man. Birthday's coming up. Fucking do that, man. I'll eat them. <laughs> uh, no, but that's yeah, fucking it, mental. It's ridiculous. And it's... It's like that being held to this standard for violence, which... There isn't even really that much violence in it, and I don't think there's there's nothing worse than what you've seen in John Wick Three. No, but again, I remember at the time, um, Todd Phillips said he that was one of his uh, arguments. But then he also said something very silly about not wanting to make comedies now because woke culture means that nothing's funny, which is a well, fucking. He makes that same joke in the film, so. which is a very very daft statement. Um, Taco with TT like haha is he so funny tweeted that Mark Mark Martin had something to say about it on late night, night I mean why is he even in the film because he's pals with Todd Phillips I mean I know he's pals with Todd Phillips but it's just like and I like him I, I mean Glow he's great in Glow but it's just like you're in it for a scene it's like I'm not to say that he is such a big star mm. that he deserves it I just thought it was like well I mean I guess if you want to be in a Joker films, like, can I be in it? Cool. Speaking of like the Batman universe, did you hear about Matt Reeves's The Batman? That Jonah Hill is wanting ten million to be yeah. in that film, which means he would be paid more than our Pats for being Batman. Oh, it's probably when Jack Nicholson was a Joker. Well, <laughs> the difference is Jonah Hill does not make a film. Yeah, yes, Jonah Hill does. It's not like open Jonah Hill, game. you're a very talented actor, but you do not open films. It suggests to me that they want to play the Penguin. Oh, it's... It, the the, the rumour is Penguin or Nigma, but personally... It would be it, Penguin. I, I think he's he, a short, stout man. Yeah, he would be an interesting Oswald yeah. Cobblepot. So he obviously wants the money for, oh, if this is embarrassing by the end of it. But again, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you're not Jack Nicholson, where he can command that in 1989. <laughs> uh playing a, a comic book character and getting first billing over Michael Keaton and taking X amount of percent of the box office because he's Jack Nicholson. Um, Jonah Hill is a very talented actor, but it's that way I'm like, dude, you, you nobody goes to watch a film because it's just you in yeah. it. It's like you are part of, of an ensemble piece. 
it's like the Wolf of Wall Street. You're really funny in it, but Leo is the star yeah. in that movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know how this again because there was a there was a hint of uh, I think I read it today or was it to, this morning or last night where in an interview Joaquin Phoenix had said. Well, oh, it seems up for doing sequels. Yeah, which, which I'm surprised at because I didn't think he would commit to a franchise. I mean, I know he's playing the Joker, but I'm like, yeah, yeah but, but he doesn't do franchise you, movies. Over this now, you'd now have to bring Batman in there. By which point in time, Arthur Fleck will be mid fifties. That is if they stick within the Arpats Batman universe. <laughs> we don't All right, know. okay, but you, if they don't stick within the Arpats Batman universe, you still have to bring Batman into it for a second Joker film. Yeah, because then it's just the Joker running about, and like, let's be honest, it's not that exciting. Um, it'd be he, interesting. He needs a foil if you're going to go further with him. Harley Quinn. <laughs> uh, I don't know what they would do. Uh, I welcome a second one because I, I I love this movie. I thought it was excellent, but it's not perfect, and I know that. Um, I, w- I would. Is it movie? I would year? be interested mm. to watch a second one. If it wasn't made by Todd Phillips, mm, no chance. They're going to give him a blank check at the end of this run and be like, "What do you want?" Because I, if I, re- I remember reading over the weekend, they made ninety three million. Uh, it's like check, make it whatever you want. You still can't make the Hangover Four because people can't make good comedy anymore in this book culture. Fuck off, Todd Phillips. To be fair, I wouldn't want a Hangover Four. I know nobody wants that. Film. Do you know the thing is, so Todd, why is he complaining? All he Todd Phillips it? had to say was, "I have explored what I need to explore in that genre, and I'm wanting to. Ex- I want to ex- move on as an artist." That's all he had to say. Yeah. He didn't have to make a wee. Well, he, uh, he didn't have to do his. He didn't have to do his man shouts at cloud uh, yeah. jab. Again, like again, what Martin Scorsese said. I don't know why the <laughs> fuck he said that. Oh, big Martin Scorsese. Oh yeah. Oh, Marvel films aren't cinema. I'll have my check, please, now for that that comic book film I just helped produce mm-hmm. and that you ripped me completely off from. Yeah, it's just like man. See, that's his hush money, mate. So he doesn't go. Hold on, I made this film forty years ago. I believe the quote was: "Marvel films aren't cinema; they're more like theme parks." Sorry, theme park rides, yeah, yeah. and I have never read a statement in such so, in such so a well that is so pretty much so that is it, it could not be better than man shouts at cloud because yeah. I'm like man why would you even say that see if you got nothing good to say about your peers and their work don't say anything it's like if you did and the thing is you didn't even see them and oh, Jesus I was when I read that I was like that's disappointing. I was like, man, you, you've got a movie coming out. Everyone's fucking loads of folk are raving about it. Yeah. Why, why, why even poke the bear like that? Because their biggest rival is just giving you a load of cash, so you don't go, oh, you've just remade my film. <sighs> That's the thing. And again, I know you said De Niro phoned it. And I actually thought De Niro was pretty good in it. Um, he just seemed like such a. He looked like what I reckon Rupert Pupkin would have became. It. it Seems like far too rough a character for in that role. Why? Because they didn't de-age him. <laughs> oh, he looks terrible de-aged. I, 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 I love the trailer for the Irishman. Oh, you know how I've been complaining about the Gemini Man trailer for a while? 
Yes. And that it looks really weird. It's because he's all CG. Uh, no. he's, a, he's a full CGI no, character. No. It's because the way I, I read this from the week that the way that film. That's out on Friday. That, that, yeah, that yeah, because we were trying to work that. I was like, it's yeah. fucking Gemini, man. Um, the, the reason that it looks dead weird is because it's supposed to be seen at 120 frames per second. Oh, for f- angry. But, 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 no, but no, there's only like seven cinemas in America that can show it at that. Oh. Uh, and I doubt there's any in Britain. Um, so most places are getting it at 60 frames per second. Which, if you remember watching The Hobbit at 60 frames per no. second, looked to be a dead weird. And that's kind of no. Weird. See, it's the first time in a while where I've seen Jerry Bruckheimer presents where I'm like, "Cool, I'm going to see a nonsense action movie that yeah. I won't give a fuck about." And I actually don't get me wrong, Gemini Man. I'm not going to say it's it's going to be amazing. It looks like it will kill an hour and a half, maybe two hours of Will Smith trying I'm, to shoot himself. I'm just worried that I won't be able to buy Lizzie Kaplan as a badass. Well, <laughs> is it? Is maybe Elizabeth Weinstead in it as well? Oh, is it Winstead? Yeah, I think that's her, is it? Because again, I'm oh, like... Oh, I keep thinking it's Lizzie Kaplan or something. No. Oh, well, Winstead, she's, yeah, she's, Winstead would be even less believable. Mm. And she's also in Birds of Prey. And I'm like... Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Right, so Gemini, man. So we're going to brave through that at some point this week. Yeah, well, I'm still, I'm still on holiday. Yeah. I'll be watching that. I'll be watching El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, which is out on Netflix on Friday. Um, I'll try and see if I get to um, the farewell. The farewell. Um, I'm trying to think what else is out. Uh, oh, okay. Chris Morris's new movie's out. I'll definitely one hundred percent have seen that. So we'll maybe see if we can get to that. Maybe not leave it as long next time. But yeah, right. that was us. Uh, Paco may join us. He may not. You know, yeah, could... we'll, we'll see what happens with the old Paco. Yeah. I don't think he's really feeling it at the moment. Yeah, I know. I, I like that's saying. I, I kind of, I, I, I know how he feels. Like that's why it's taken us so long to kind of get there. But we'll see if we can get back on track, and yeah. we'll do that. But that'll do us for this week. Um, ah, fuck! I thought it was hitting like really bad rain. I'm like, that sucks. If it's raining again. But that'll do us. That sucks. You don't have to fucking leave your house. It's me. It's got to go on the road. Uh, well, I was thinking about maybe going to cinema. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I might go watch the Joker again. Um, oh, but yeah. Um, Aye, so that'll do us this week. So cheers, Neil. No problem. All right, man. Uh, That'll do us for Rappers in the Kitchen.